All right. Welcome in. It's a Sunday recap. Welcome to the Sunday recap. (laughs) This is Chris McLaughlin with Mitch Green. How's it going, Mitch? Doing good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be here. It's just the two of us today. Mm-hmm. We're recording early this uh, this week. This is actually Monday afternoon. We're doing this because tomorrow is staff, staff fun, fun day. day. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ariel's not in this in, in today. We kind of did this on the fly, so we're like, well, we'll just get it done. Uh, maybe we need to explain what staff fun day is. Yeah, <laughs> what is that? Staff fun day is what we do um, every week, every day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. It's just funny the amount of times that people ask you, they're like, what do you guys do all week? You what know? do we do? What do you do all week? Um, no, staff fun day is supposed to be the fifth Tuesday. Whenever, uh, every, like whenever we have a fifth Every Tuesday. time there's a fifth Tuesday. Yeah. But that's not always when it works out. But yeah, we go out as a team. We cr- come up with an activity. And I tend to always have to be the guy who plans these well, things. You're, you're the you're the fun time coordinator. Yeah. It yeah. tends to always be me. <laughs> so staff fun day tomorrow. If you see us out in downtown Franklin tomorrow. Hey, join us. Day, join yeah. us. Downtown that's, Franklin. That's tomorrow. where we'll be tomorrow. Doing <laughs> staff fun day. So you won't hear this yet. No, you won't. <laughs> we'll actually right. be, yeah, we'll be doing this the day before. You here? That's but, right. <laughs> yeah, staff fun day. So. Yeah, that's what we do. Actually, we've had some really pretty uh, cool ones oh, every yeah. now and then. Um, I the, actually one of the coolest ones, even though we didn't really get to do it, was the one where we went down to the Indianapolis Speedway. That was cool. And Pastor Scott got to do a couple laps around the the Speedway in an actual two seater Indy car. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty sweet. That was cool to watch. Yeah, it was very cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That, that might be up there at the top of them. I can't think <laughs> of, we've done some, like we did a, like a boat pontoon boat one. Oh, that was I, really I fun. I missed that one. I missed that one. Yeah. That was fun. We did one where we went in another lake and I lost my wedding ring. Yeah. <laughs> but did you find it? No. Oh, it, that's a bummer. It probably landed in the lake somewhere and yeah. So I had to get another one. <laughs> yeah. But that's all right. Hey, um, so, Mitch, you are jumping into student ministry role right now, the yep, interim yep, student yep, yep, yep. pastor role. We talked about that last week. But um, coming up uh, in the life of our students, we've actually got a couple big things happening. So summer camps are happening, but also um, transit is coming back. Would you tell us a little bit about yes. that? So, yeah, we've been doing both our student ministries on the same time on Sunday nights from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Right, everyone together. It's been cool. It's been a lot of fun. We've had big elements. We've done all sorts of stuff. But moving into the next season, we're going to separate middle school and high school again. Yeah. So transit will be coming back Sunday morning, June 6th, um, 9 a.m. service every single week. It's going to be fun. We're gearing up for some games, some worship, getting the cafe back open. Yeah. Um, we've got some new elements. To the My room. daughter is very excited about the cafe part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, so I'm excited too. It'll yeah. be very cool. That's awesome. So that's June 6th. Uh, and this is going to be at the 9am service yep. that you said. Um, just really important. If you have a middle school student, um, and uh, just so that you know, this is coming up on the radar. You're going to see this announced in a couple different places, but plan to make sure that your middle school student is there. We want to bring all the middle school kids back and get transit pumping again. So we're excited about that. It's going to be awesome. Well, Mitch, this week you uh, preached. Hey! I did. <laughs> Nice. Way to go, man. Uh, this was the third installment of the Endgame series, this series of First Thessalonians, going through the book of First Thessalonians. 
Um, really cool section of scripture too, I think, because you know we, we were talking a little bit about this passage prior to you preaching and how this passage in particular is is really interesting because it doesn't give you a lot of directives. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of instruction. Yeah. There's not a lot of um, uh, kind of like, you know, direct things about who God is, who mm-hmm. Jesus is, you know, nothing like that in here. Um, but it's, but it still has these sort of hints towards mm-hmm. some of that stuff uh, that may be underpinning why Paul is writing a lot of this passage. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe as we're getting started, explain just sort of the struggle of yeah. preaching from a passage like this. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when, when we're preaching and and I think everybody on our team does a really good job of this because we're an intentional, you know, we have a preaching team and we'll meet every once in a while and we'll talk about like, what are the values in preaching? Yeah. But, um, preaching a sermon is different than just teaching a lesson. Mm-hmm. Meaning that like if you're teaching a lesson, um, you merely just you just want to tell people what's going on in the text. Right. But preaching involves some level of like exhortation, asking them to take steps in their life based off of what the text would encourage them to do. Mm. So you're kind of trying to draw the preaching you know, the sermon out of the text. Yeah. Well, in this context, like Chris was saying, it's not, um, it's more we're, we're, Paul is trying to tell them how much he cares about them and how much he wants to get back to them. Right. But he's not giving them any instruction to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so there's a tendency sometimes in preaching. And I would say most churches have drifted away from this, but when I first started in ministry and Chris, I know you were probably in the middle of this, but like (laughs) when I first started in ministry 10 years ago, one of the things that everybody was trying to work against was what they called character lessons. Oh yeah. Like exemplary. Yes. So it was like, it was like, we're going to, look at this person and say, how can we be like them? Mm-hmm. Um, Dare be, to be a Daniel and absolutely. Yeah, be like David. Yeah, Because like because the problem with that was we would be making too much of this person and we wouldn't be pointing towards Jesus. Right. And it's not the point of the story. Right. Anyways, so, so when you come across a passage like this, um, there's a fine line to walk behind, you know, between saying like, what is Paul's example yep. for us? Mm-hmm. Um, what is actually his intent in writing this section, right. and then what is you know the Holy Spirit and what does God have for us this morning? Yeah, in reading it. Yeah. So um, I think it was just a little more nuanced. So thankfully, you know, I shared that with the team. I asked for prayer, um, kind of all week. I think pretty much anybody who talked to me, you know, we had some people bring dinner over. I would talk to them about it. Yeah, sure. And I think that helped me kind of wrestle through that how to preach a text like this um, to encourage our congregation, yeah. you know, to uh, take steps. In, in growth and in knowledge and receiving this truth, but also being true to what Paul's intention is with the text. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thanks. I Let's go ahead and read the passage. Um, I'll just read it. If that's, yeah. yeah, we'll just do that. Mitch doesn't like to read the passage sometimes. I don't. So. <laughs> so I'll just read it. So this is 1 Thessalonians 2.17 all the way to 3.13. So this is what it says. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in the faith. 
that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported uh, that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> So um, let's sort of unpack a couple of the things that you talked about in here because um, I, I thought you brought up some really great points for us to, to really, one, just to think about, but two, that actually makes an impact on the way that we live every day. So let, let's talk about sort of the obscure one that you talked about at first because I thought this was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So the, the first thing that you talked about here was this idea of what is Paul's goal, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so you focused on the very beginning of this passage, the end of chapter two. And in here, he, Paul's talking about how Satan hindered them, hindered uh, Paul and his fellowship to go and, and visit them again. And um, we don't know what that means. Um, it, it could be about, you know, because um, we knew that in Thessalonica, there was a lot of mm -hmm. um, persecution that was going on and people that were coming against him. He had opponents. So maybe it was that, maybe it was yeah. something else, but we don't know. Okay. So, but one of the things that you pointed out with that was that uh, while Paul was hindered by Satan from ministering to them, that what ends up, ends up happening was, is Paul ends up writing a letter, which then we have today mm -hmm. that blesses not only us, but the church for mm -hmm. all time. Yeah. That's, that's an incredible thought. Um, could you, could you just sort of unpack sort of the practicality of that maybe then for us in, in our own circumstances? Yeah. So first off, that's not necessarily an original idea. Um, I was, Oh, sure. Yeah. So I was, there's nothing new. Under yeah. The sun. Nothing's new under the sun, <laughs> but I was cutting the grass on Friday and I, um, decided I was like, you know what? Like I'm, you know, want to just kind of think through my sermon. So I just, um, searched in YouTube, sorry, searched in pot, the Apple podcast app. Yeah. First Thessalonians. Oh, there you go. And I came across the guy <laughs> who did a commentary through all every chapter. That's really so. Cool. I listened to his commentary through chapter two and through chapter three while mm -hmm. I was cutting the grass. And this was one of the things that he brought up that I thought was fascinating. Um, but again, so so just from like a contextual side, so we understand this. Um, Thessalonians is either Paul's first letter or his second. It's one of the two. Like yeah. people think it's either Galatians yeah. or his, his, you know, this first letter that he's written to the church in Thessalonica. It's right. one of the two. 
um, likely. So if you think about that and you think about this statement, you know, that Satan prevented him from visiting them, this would mean that his cause of being away, you know, while he's in Rome, you know, he's in Corinth or he's, he's in that, in that region, while he's away, he would be forced to write to them. Mm. And I'm sure from his perspective, this is incredibly disappointing, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'd rather be there, but I can't. So I'm writing you a letter. Right. Well, again, not only for us today, do we have access to this letter because he had to write it? But think of what this did across the first century church. I mean, yeah. these letters are passed around. Other people are reading these That's letters. Right. And so and may have, like you said, launched his letter yeah. writing ministry. Because again, it would have been, I mean, he prob- he's probably written letters before. Mm-hmm. But f- from what we have in our New Testament scripture, this is probably the first one that he wrote. Mm. So this, you know, what seems like a tremendous roadblock in his life yeah. actually is potentially the start of... Paul's ministry, uh, his greatest ministry, which is writing ministry to all the churches. Yeah. So I just think it's amazing. Um, Well, and it says a lot too about the power of Satan over over Christians and the power of God and things like that. I mean, because Satan can do things, you know, and he does have power. Mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, he does not have power over God. And yes. God's plan and things like that. And that's and that's a comforting thought to, to look mm-hmm. at this and say, like, you know, we may come against struggles and um, different difficulties in our life, but somehow God uses that, redeems it in order to bring about yeah. a very good thing in the end. And, yep. and that's, I mean, that is the hope that we have mm-hmm. in, in Christ, I think, is that, you know, even in death— um, he brings about life. Well, and the yeah. other the other part to remember too is that like Paul was stopped sometimes from the things that he wanted to do. Yeah, like the that's great, true. The great apostle Paul <laughs> didn't get to do ministry exactly the way that he wanted. Sure. And I think for us, um, sometimes when we come against frustration um, in trying to minister to someone, I think again of the people that we've kind of written off in our life. Yeah. You know, and again, he is talking about writing to an established group of believers, but he's not for sure that they're still professing believers at this point in time. That's partially why he's writing to them. Right. But like when people, when we're, we kind of write them off, you know, and I just think it's so interesting that while Paul says, you know, Satan prevented my ability to be there with you, he's now going to dive into all the things he's doing because he still cares about them so deeply to minister to them. Yeah. Like he doesn't stop there. Well, one of the interesting things that you brought up too from this was how Paul is really looking at the very end, you know, Jesus' mm-hmm. return, and with Jesus' return, that there is a a hope, he says, he calls it a hope, a joy, or a crown of boasting, um, and he points to the, 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 the people in Thessalonica mm-hmm. uh, that those people are his crown of boasting as he stands before the Lord on the last day. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, I mean, I think there's two things to talk about here. Well, there's a number of things, but but the two things I w- would love to get to is <laughs> one is talking about um, that, first of all, that the Lord is coming and that, and mm-hmm. that, and that as he's coming back, that there is a, um, a very real and tangible change in the way that we think about our life. Yeah. Um, and you know what I mean? So, so like, because the Lord is coming back, we're not just living for today, or we're not just living mm-hmm. for material things or for our lifetime right here and now, but we should have a more eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. So there, there's something there that I'd love to dig into. And then the other thing is this whole idea of how are people considered to be a crown of boasting mm-hmm. in that in that sense? So maybe let's deal with that one first. Let's talk yeah. about this idea of the crown of boasting. And I loved the image that you put up mm-hmm. there. This whole this whole Greco um, 
Olympiad yeah. type of idea. Um, help to just sort of unpack that imagery and why is Paul using that here? So it's it's super funny. Um, that image that I used on the screen, again, I love to give people an inside look when you're listening and I preached. I actually blew that image up and stretched it because the man's naked <laughs> and I didn't want that on Sunday morning. We can't do that. This is PG. So, yeah, I was like, there's actually two naked men in the image and I was yeah. like, nah, I'm not going to just get that out of there, but this is the best picture yeah. that I think that kind of displays more of what we're talking about here. But again, it's very common for Paul, and even obviously Jesus did this, but he borrows from contextual examples to explain what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and what in how he relates to God. So, like in his letter to you know the Philippian church, he talks a lot about like running a race. Um, yes. and he gives that whole imagery and yeah. he kind of draws like, from these uh, Olympic games. In Timothy, you talk about training and righteousness yes. or yep. godliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's borrowing um, these contextual examples because again, Paul, um, you know, he's raised Greek, but he also has Roman citizenship. So he's mm-hmm. he's well versed in both of these cultures. So he's using these examples to he's help raised Jewish. Yeah, sorry, 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 yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I said, I said Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say he's Hellenized Greek is what I wanted to say, but Hellenized Jew, Jew. is what I meant yeah, to yeah. say. Yeah, sorry about that. So he's a Hellenized Jew, meaning that he's got dual kind of, he's citizen, he's a Jew, but he also has a citizenship. Right. So he's well-versed in, in these culture, in, in this culture. And so when Paul is writing to them, um, he's borrowing from this imagery that he does often. And in this case, it is the image of the Olympic games, the crowning ceremony at the Olympic games where people are given this crown, which is, looks more kind of like a wreath, you Mm -hmm. know, and they're given this crown based off of the achievement for what they accomplished. Yeah. It's important that we understand this picture that way, because if we think about Christ's return and we think about someone wearing a crown, you're probably starting to think of the imagery that maybe you've seen from like John's writing in Revelation, and you're like, well, who's wearing a crown? Who's seated on the throne? Yeah. It's not, it's not us. Mm-hmm. So you need to kind of make sure that we understand this in the proper perspective, which is more of like, hey, there's this account that's being given of our lives before God and what is going to make us stand joyful. And the imagery that he's trying to capture is the imagery of the crowning ceremony at the Olympic games. Mm. And then he's saying that you are what we have to boast in. And, you know, Chris, I was telling you this, but last night I was working on another assignment which I'll tell you is very hard to do after a day of preaching. Oh my god! A day of youth group. You did this last night, and then writing another writing another sermon uh, at like ten p.m. Oh my goodness! So with, I'm working with a newborn at home. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working on another. <laughs> I'm working on another sermon for a class I'm in, and I'm reading through Philippians, and I come across this verse, and this is in Philippians chapter four, verse one, where yeah. Paul says, "Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown." Yeah. Now, if you know anything, again, like I was saying earlier about Philippians, he's just finished his analogy about running a race. Yeah. This is the passage that's happened. This is one chapter later. So Paul is regularly borrowing from this because they'll understand it. Right. And this is why it's important that we think of Scripture within context. That's right. Having a sort of a original audience understanding of how would they have viewed Mm -hmm. this passage or this image or things like that. Yeah. Really good. Yep. So I just think it's helpful. It's helpful to have that imagery in mind that again, we know we will stand before God one day. Is it gonna look like an Olympic Games? Probably not. Yeah. Are we gonna literally get a crown? Probably not. <laughs> but there will be some sort of acknowledgement for the way that we lived our life, as you were saying, that once we think about the end, it'll make us put everything in perspective. Yeah. So so the 
what, what, what I love about this image is that it does paint this picture of what Paul talks about here, this joy mm-hmm. of when we stand before God. I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, I can't imagine feeling anything less than joy in the end when you are when you get to stand before God, redeemed by the blood of, of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and you can stand um, uh, blameless before him and he welcomes you mm-hmm. as his child into into his kingdom. And so so in that moment there is an incredible amount of joy. But it seems like it seems like what he's sort of saying here is that there is an extra measure mm-hmm. of joy to a certain extent above and beyond all of that, even though it's, I mean, it pales in comparison, but at the same time, there's, there is a joy that people have as they, as they, as they will come before the Lord and they'll see others that they have known in this life. And then, and that these others, that these are the people that they've, that they've served and cared for, Mm -hmm. uh, prayed for, that they get to see them all there as part of God's family as well. And that's, um, that's an incredible thought to me. Um, Yeah. yeah. I also love too, that this is not a, an issue of, um, like our own, like, like, like Paul's, Paul's making this an issue of, of, of greater joy when we Mm -hmm. get there rather than an issue of, well, you better be doing these things, you know, type of a thing. It's more of a, of of a measure of this, of this having joy. It's like the mission and purpose of his life. And I think that's what we need to think of it as. Again, when we think of passages and sermons, again, Paul's speaking to a Christian audience. So he's telling them why he's doing these actions. Um, he's not necessarily even saying like that, like you need to go do this the exact same way I have this pattern I'm about to lay out for you. Mm-hmm. But he's explaining why he would do this. And he's saying that it will bring him tremendous joy. And I think that's why I brought up the imagery of like a grandmother because I yeah. just think that's that's the best picture to me. Like we all know our grandmas have made many mistakes in their life. Yeah. But we also know the way that they look at their grandchildren. Yeah. And the way that they look at their children. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a joy even through the tr- the struggles, the trials and everything. And I think that's the imagery of what Paul's describing. He doesn't stand before God holy and blameless. Again, he explains that later. I mean, that's his prayer for them, you know, is that Jesus will make you this way. That's not the case. But what gives him tremendous joy is to know that these other people in Thessalonica will be standing there with him, you know, under the Lordship of Christ at the day of judgment. And I think that's, I think he's just saying like, that is the image that motivates me Mm. so strongly to minister to you. So let's switch gears to the other question here, and that is that the Lord is coming back, and that yeah. and that this is this really should shape the way that we live here and now. Um, so we've already sort of talked about the way that it might shape us when it comes to um, serving others, evangelism, and and just caring for other people and things like that, praying for other people. What are some other practical ways that? Um, that thinking about the end might shape the way that we live here and now. Yeah. So in the first century context, and Chris, I know this is like somewhat debated, but most people thought that Christ was going to return in their lifetime or the next. Right, right, right. So from from in, from their perspective, like they think this, there's a lot of urgency to this. Mm-hmm. Like they think it's going to happen very soon. Um, and part of the reason that I think they would have, so, this would be so important to the perspective for the way that they live mm-hmm. was that they're going through tremendous suffering. Yeah. Um, and they're suffering, you know, for Christ and for what they believe. Right. So they're trying to understand their con their suffering in context of what's going to happen 
in eternity. Right. Um, I think something that is really kind of a shame, you know, now that we're, you know, here in America in 2021 is that um, our suffering just doesn't, it pales into comparison to the suffering that they went through. Oh. So for us. Yeah, like in the West, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've seen stuff happening today in other parts of the absolutely, world. Absolutely, absolutely. For sure, that's pretty bad, but. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And so from our experience, we're not as drawn to think about what are what's going on in the immediate and how does it affect our, etern- our eternity. Mm. Um, you know, Paul says this. He says, what's the thing that he, he calls them to do? You know, to stand firm. Yeah. Like he wants them to stand firm in Christ in the midst of the suffering that they're going through. Right. And so I think that is why it's so important is the eternal perspective is affecting their immediate reality in the circumstances that they're going through. Mm -hmm. It's true for you. It's just a lot easier to get laxed and to be very nuanced about it. Yeah. And that's why I think this message can be so helpful because what, what, you know, really I think we can be encouraged by Paul's testimony is to say that we have the opportunity now to impact things alongside the work of Christ as fellow workers together that will have eternal impacts or we cannot, (laughs) you know? And I think that's kind of how it affects our current reality is by saying, we know one day that we will stand before Christ and we will be judged by his merit, not our own. Mm -hmm. But we also know that so will everybody else. And what is their opportunity if we've not been the vehicle to share the gospel with them? Right. And that's, I mean, at the, at one time it's very convicting because you're like, mm-hmm. okay, wow. Like I know people who are not saved, are, are not Christians, and maybe I haven't shared the gospel with them. Maybe I haven't talked with them about my own faith and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, I mean, give us some practical advice here because this is where I think a lot of people get stuck. It's like, okay. Like, I get it. I mean, I, I need to be doing this, but how? Like, what do I do? Like, how do I even begin to approach this? Because I'm not the Apostle Paul, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, um, Maybe I don't feel like I have all the answers to people's questions or people have been hostile to me. You know, maybe people, you know, in family members and friends mm-hmm. are hostile to that sort of stuff and they don't want to, like, break down those relationships. So, like, how do you do that? How do you how do you start to walk that line with people? Yeah, I I mean, again, it's it's not something that I consider myself a master at, but sure. um, I do think that what we see kind of from Paul's ministry is that you know not only is he kind of taking every effort you know to share with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we need to say, you know, when we say things like "I'm not the Apostle Paul," and I know you're not saying this, but you're you're just kind of repeating what someone else might say. Right. Paul himself um, did not consider himself to be a master of like rhetoric. Mm-hmm. So Paul himself says, "I will not use you know I'm not going to use the rhetoric of the day. I'm going to share simply yeah. the message of the gospel." So I think that's one thing. I think the second component is that we need to be willing just to exist in relationship with people, mm. um, that we need to, the people in our life, the people that God has put in, our, put in front of us, our neighbors, our family members, that we need to stay in relationship with them. Right. Um, there is probably rarely, if never, a good circumstance to say that you're just going to close the door on a relationship with somebody. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm talking about, I know I'm not talking about abuse or anything in that, in that world, but I'm saying 
far often, um, I think we shut off relationships when they come at a problem to us. Right, right. And I think um, Paul is modeling a sacrificial living that's about everybody else. It's not about himself. Yeah. And so I think that's the first thing. Um, so w- w- hang on just a sec, because I think I think it's really important because I think a lot of times we approach these sort of evangelistic type of relationships with that goal in mind, rather yeah. than rather than having a an ongoing friendship with that mm-hmm. person where you're just sort of rubbing up against each other mm-hmm. in, in, in some ways. So it's more like, you know, hey, if, you, they, if they don't accept Christ or, or, or after a certain amount of time, I'm just going to be done with it and move yeah. on, which, man, that would be a really tough call to make uh, mm-hmm. to, to have to do something like that. But, but I think what, what you're saying here is let's have, let's just have deep friendships and deep relationships with people, you know, mm-hmm. whether they're Christian or non-Christian, and those ones that are that are non-Christian, that your life may then kind of rub off on them in some yeah. way, where where and 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 it, be intentional about telling them about the good news of Jesus, because that's mm-hmm. important. Romans ten talks about that, but I think, you know, but but in the midst of it, you're not just like trying to evangelize them, and if it doesn't yeah. work out, you just move on. I mean. It's about it's about those long term relationships. Well, in the missional side of this too. So I don't want to get a little too in the weeds of this, but mm-hmm. there's a reminder too that as we share the gospel, it's an as we go component. It's mm-hmm. not so much of like I turn on the switch of sharing the gospel with somebody and now I turn it off. So we might have to ask ourselves again, kind of the question we land on in the end of this sermon: How would we define the mission of our life? And yeah. if and if Christ's mission isn't central to your life, then you're going to have a hard time just existing in relationship with people and having any opportunity to talk about the gospel. Right. Once Christ becomes central, you spend your time in the word, you spend your time in relationship with other Christians, it should be your natural conversation Yeah, because it's what you're doing with your time. Right. You're not going to have much else to talk about. Like you <laughs> will be able to talk about things, but if it never comes up, yeah, then I think that's more the problem. When we think, oh, I have to go share with somebody about this, but I have to do it out of a place that like we've never talked about this before, mm. then it's probably more likely, okay, is the mission of Christ the central mission of your life? Yeah. And I think, again, to kind of back up to your original question, again, how does this affect their eternal perspective? Yeah. Um, also, as we did not talk about on Sunday, he goes into a long portion in here where he talks about sending Timothy um, to kind of help them as they're working through their suffering for the faith. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to remember, too, that our eternal perspective not only affects the way that we share with other people, it affects the way that we're living out our faith in the everyday. Yeah. Are we willing to kind of sit in the suffering and stay committed to Christ? Right. And so I think I think really it's like, Grow in your knowledge of God. Get to know God deeper. Grow in your knowledge of Christ. Grow in the knowledge of Scripture. Exist in Christian community. Yeah. And I guess what I'm advocating for a little bit is that our Christian community doesn't just become about us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it on a podcast because I'm probably not as willing to say it on Sunday morning, but like <laughs> that we're not just consumers. Yeah. That we don't just look at every ministry of the church and go, man, I love what I'm learning and how I'm you know growing more. Right. But we think about how is this a avenue for us to be on mission together. Mm -hmm. Not only as I'm growing in this, but as it becomes more a part of my life, how can I welcome other people to come in and do this alongside me? So I I think that is kind of how it changes the perspective, how it becomes life on life discipleship is it becomes the central focus of your life.
we'll mention the in the last few minutes we have here, I'd love to just unpack the last few verses of chapter three because this seems like a um, sort of a benediction or a mm-hmm. or a prayer of some kind. That's, that's why we use it as a benediction. Well, too, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we did it verses uh, twelve and thirteen. Um, let me just reread this again. So it says. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. I think what we see through all of this is really the power of God in in all of this. Like like he's asking that that the Father and the Lord Jesus would direct their way. And then verse 13 really talks about this idea of establishing their hearts as blameless and holiness before our God and Father. And I mean, that's just that's just grace at, at the mm-hmm. end of the day was what he's talking about. Like God is the one that that purifies us and and makes us able to stand holy and righteous mm-hmm. before the Father. You know, so it, it's it's um he's pointing to all of that. But let's focus on verse 12 just for a few minutes. So verse 12 talks about, it says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And this is kind of what we're getting to here, I think, with our Mm -hmm. conversation thus far is that people would actually grow in love for each other, you know, within the church. But then it also says, and for all. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Do you see that same distinction there as being like for one another being like the the, the, the church and then for all being outside the church or what what, what is happening there? Yeah, absolutely. I think again, we we probably could have just preached this these three verses. <laughs> you know, this could have been a whole sermon. Sure. But yeah, I think I think again, as as I was saying yesterday, I think um, one of Paul's greatest prayers for the first century church is unity, mm-hmm. um, and he wants them to be united, not just united because they get along, but united on the work of Christ. And then I think secondly, he wants them to extend that love to all those that they encounter. And Paul is saying, again, uh, he kind of, kind of draws back to himself right after that, and he says, as we do for you. And he's saying, this is the love that I have for you, which is founded on Christ and the love that Christ has for me. Yeah. And I love that. And I think, I think again, that's uh, we come back to our church vision a lot, but, but I think that is the testimony of how God works in the heart of believers. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, Christ loves us, we're motivated to love others through that. Um, that we don't love others so that God loves us more, but it's a motivation from, you know, the love that Christ has already given to us. And so yeah. we love all those within our, you know, context and our community. And then secondly, we love those outside of the community. Right. And and I think, I think again, it's just important to think about um, that we exist in community together at Stones Crossing Church. Mm. Like by being a member of this church body, if you are, we are the kind of community that he's talking about. Mm. I know in 2020, uh, 2021, it's a little more difficult to see it that way sometimes yeah. because we either are watching online at home by ourselves right. or we're coming in the building and we're leaving very quickly. Right. But this should be the community that first and foremost we exist in and we welcome other people to be alongside of us. Yeah. We, we use that term to say, "Hey, you know, we we are we are a community. We need yeah. to live in community. We're you know things like that." What does that actually look like? Part part, part of why I'm asking this question is because I think, um, so for me, you know, I I am when I was a kid, um, mm-hmm. 
friendships were easy to come by because friendships were basically friendships of convenience. They were the kids okay. that lived across the street, the kids that you were in class with, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Um, as time goes on, you know, that becomes harder because you don't have mm-hmm. the same sort of convenience of relationships and things like that. And actually having the depth of relationship that we're talking about here um, is something that I think is very attractive to people. And people remember things like that from high school and college, but they don't know how to get there in a church, mm-hmm. you know? So like, is that what we're talking about? We're just talking about deep friendship or are we talking about something more and how do we get to that? Yeah, I, I would say again, it's it's community that's founded on the work of Christ. So mm-hmm. what, what makes us unified is our relationship to Christ. It's not how much do we like each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's one, I think that's one thing that's important. Yeah. Um, and I think I talked about this a little bit in first service, but I didn't in second. I think one of the things we see is that again, um, in community, what does it look like when we live together? And part of it, you know, is that we're willing to suffer together. Yeah. that we're willing to sacrifice for one another, that we actually do life together, mm-hmm. like that we don't just see each other on Sundays and we never see each other again. Right, inviting people into your homes and... Exactly. Things, yeah. You're doing things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think it is doing all of those things, but it's doing those things that we have a deep bond that's not founded on, you know, do we like the same sports teams? Do we enjoy the th- same things? Yeah. It's that it's founded on the work of Christ. Right. And I think as we do those things and as we're growing growing in a knowledge of God, our relationships form deeper together. And I think what I was advocating for was I have seen, um, I've got to see that this still exists when some people think it might not. Mm. Like, I think this past year, some people might go, well, we haven't really had community like we had in the past because the COVID, you know, or something where for me, I'm like, no, I'm watching you know, a new mom step into mom's crossing, mm-hmm. you know, and being welcomed with open arms, you know, after she kind of adopts two twins into her home. Right. You know, I'm watching, you know, even like Chris McLaughlin, this is, you know, before this past year, but being willing to give up, you know, a kidney for a little girl in our church. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, talk about suffering together. We don't need to talk about but, but, but no, but seriously, <laughs> but seriously, like, I, I, I think sometimes you and I, we get to see a perspective that other people don't see. Yeah. And I think what I would say to those people is you don't see it because you've not stepped into it. Mm-hmm. It's not that it doesn't exist. Yeah. And we need more of it, of course. And we've certainly had limitations with digital versus meeting in per- person this past year. Right. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I mean, I could give you like when we had a, in our men's Bible study, we had a guy whose, whose wife died while he was in the Bible study. Right. And those men came around him and took care of him and started taking food over to him and stuff. And yeah. I, I mean, I could give you example after example in a year where many people would say, where, where was the community? Yeah. And I would just kind of advocate that while we need more of it and it'll look different in the future, it always exists within the context of Christ church. Yeah. It's just, are you taking part in it? Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's, that's kind of what I was trying to help people see yesterday. Yeah. Because, you know, I, there's been times this year where I've been like, as we've had staff transitions and people stepping off board that it's like, oh man, I'm having to do all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. But one tremendous blessing of it has being that I've gotten to see all the things that I think other people 
just don't think is going on right now right. because we're more segmented. Yeah. It sounds like we need to have a place where we can share more of those stories. Absolutely. Yeah. We need, and we need people in the church to tell their stories about what's mm-hmm. going on or how people serve them or, um, you know, th- things like that. Cause we, we just need more of that so that we can see the, mm-hmm. really what we're talking about here is the, the, the kingdom at work. In the midst we, of all and this. I want that, like, I, I guess I'm getting, maybe this is a little harsh, but I'll say, I do want to share those stories with people, Yeah. but I also would challenge you if you're like, I don't see them. I would say, if you stepped into any of these things, mm-hmm. you would see them. Yeah. Like if you, yeah. if you joined a D group, you're going to see some of these things. If you came to loving beyond meals, you're going to see the people we're praying for that are in desperate need, you know, of right. the prayer and the blessings as being, if you step foot in stones auto, you would see these things. If you joined our women's Bible study or our men's ministry, or you came to women's God, you would, you would see these things. Yeah. Um, and so like, while we do need to get better at sharing the stories, also, because the staff tendency, I think the struggle that I have is I just move on to the next thing. Sure. I forget about what God's doing. Sure. But I also would just challenge someone, hey, if you stepped into it, I think you'd see some of you'd it see too. Some of it too. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Hey, Mitch, thanks so much for unpacking your sermon from Sunday with us. I know yeah. sometimes it's it's a little You only have so much to say. <laughs> I know, but yeah, it's just fun. So that's great. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for all of that. And thanks for listening today to the Sunday Recap. We hope that you'll join us next time. We're going to keep going with our series Endgame with our next section in First Thessalonians. So we're looking forward to that. Pastor Scott's back this week. And uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys on Sunday and we'll catch you next time on the Sunday Recap. See you then.